six minutes in, might as well just like roll the intro and go into the, the stuff because there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. All right, ready? Three, two, one, go. So, hey everyone, officially happy Friday. Welcome to the Digital Cash Rundown. I'm joined by the one and only Crypto Lush. How's it going, man? It's good. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, where'd the name come from, by the way, just out of curiosity? Uh, well, uh, a little bit of my history, but yeah, 10 mm-hmm. years, 11 years, no drinking. I liked mm. doing that a lot. So it was actually a play on some of my history. So now I just love crypto. It's like all mm-hmm. I think about, all I try to research and, and um, you know, make the YouTube videos and whatever. So I thought crypto lush. Usually Lush is like, you know, an alcoholic, I guess you could say. So I thought it was fitting. Mm-hmm. Kind of <laughs> like a fun pair. Yeah, I mean, it is true. And for a lot of people, it does it does tend to be like an addiction. And I definitely know that, yeah. like, you know, the, the, the price chart with uh, refreshers, you know. Yeah. It's, it's a real you thing. I get, yeah. There's certain days where you're trying to research project, projects and the price are just moving around. You can't help but just you're almost just caught staring at the charts and not not able to even research almost it's almost paralyzing yeah of course yeah it's similar well anyway if you guys are in my discord you have my you can go to the digital cash rundown channel leave a little super chat or otherwise regular youtube super chats otherwise um i reserve the right to ignore any of your any of your <laughs> comments in the peasant chat so <laughs> the peasant chat i'm gonna start calling it that from now on and until people start taking offense and then throwing money at oh, me or whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's been a crazy time. Let's uh, let's hit on the the CZ story first. So throwing up that the CZ's tweet. So he okay. said, "Today I stepped down as CEO of Binance. Admittedly, it's not easy to let go emotionally, and it was the right thing to do. Blah blah blah. Made mistakes. Take responsibility, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Basically, uh, for those who have been living under a crypto rock, um, Binance got basically is basically been extorted i would become listen i know it's a hyperbolic language but but probably it makes sense right extorted for like four billion from the u.s government in order to settle and then they can basically operate legally and then also they wanted uh cheng peng zhao cz to resign and he faces some sort of criminal charges and hopefully it's something settled pretty quickly but basically they want Basically, they're just doing the shakedown and then business as usual after that. But um, I did not expect things to happen this quickly. I expected CZ to be hanging around for a little longer. Um, he mentioned something about DeFi, and I can't remember if it was in this. Yeah, it's in here. Yeah. I believe, yeah. I will take a break first. I'm not a single day off, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. What does he say? Where is it? Yeah, so and he says, after that, my current thinking is I will probably do some passive investing, being a minority token slash shareholder in startups areas of blockchain, Web3, DeFi, AI, and biotech. I'm happy I'll finally have more spend to time look more time to spend looking at DeFi, and that's the key thing right there. And the thing is, CC has been like, first of all, just to get him out, like, what's your take on CC? as a whole and like this whole situation before I get into too much of my pontificating. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're good. I've, I've never had an issue with, uh, I've, 
really since I got into crypto, I went straight into DeFi was like my goal. So it was like a, a big learning curve to get in there. So I've never had any issues with, you know, I've heard of Binance Cartel and them coming after trades and potentially, you know, stop loss hunting or whatever you call that. I'm not a day trader, so I'm not like completely familiar with that. But I've never had any issues in the few times I've used Binance. CZ always seemed up front, at least from what I could tell. And he seemed like a, a good face for the industry. Although, you know, some of what's going on, you could argue that, I suppose. But I have no problems with Binance. I thought they were good for the space, I guess. And they, they helped grow it for sure. So I, I don't have any issues. Yeah, yeah. I'm sort of the same. I'm mostly, well, I would say 90% of the same thinking. Uh, I would say like CZ is 70% a pioneer and hero of the space. And 30% a little bit of a, you know, shady corner cutter, pump, dump some scams, done some funky stuff, you know? And unfortunately, a lot of this, these days, people are, are trying to put them in the, the SBF, FTX kind of category where they're just like, like th that guy's literally a mass scammer and thief. Whereas CZ operated an actual like legit functioning business that served a lot of people's needs. And, you know, maybe some weird sketchy stuff happened. Like maybe he caused FTX to implode when it did. There was that whole thing. But so, yeah. Did you, did you see that though? With the $4.3 billion fine that a lot of that could have been, uh, a lot of that I guess is going to go to the FTX creditors or, or whatever. So I assume that that's going to make Kevin O'Leary whole. I'm, this is just speculation, but they're, they're blaming him for the FTX collapse, which is insane. All mm -hmm. he did was like lift the curtain in my mind. He didn't cause yeah. anything. All he did was say, you might want to, you might want to like peek over there and see what's mm -hmm. going on. And then it was discovered, but now they're blaming him for that. So they're taking, I believe that fine is going to be to pay off all the big money that got trapped in FTX is sort of what it looks like. Uh, to me, which is yeah. shady, obviously. Yeah, I mean, that... Uh, politicians, I don't think, gave back any money, did they? Exactly. That's exactly what it looks like to me, too, where, um, like, FTX was just, just blew up in everyone's face, and unfortunately, FTX was the voice of regulators and uh, people on the political left in the U.S. as well, and they couldn't let that take the fall for everything. They had to drag in another person. Oh, money laundering, all this other stuff. Like foreign person, China, you know, take all that stuff and throw some of the blame on him. And just, unfortunately, like they literally just pillaged a free market competitor to deal, to pay off their mistakes, I think. Because FTX, if there was proper over government oversight or whatever, which I don't think such a thing really <laughs> exists, but whatever, if there was, yeah. if they'd been doing their job instead of chasing after like little guy and stuff, they, they would have seen there was something wrong with this. Right. So, well, yeah, it's arguable. I mean, Gary Gensler, I, I don't know. Like all this is speculation for me. I kind of thought mm -hmm. the FTX thing was sort of boring after a certain point, but you know, mm -hmm. Sam Baker was allegedly meeting with Gary Gensler. So I don't know how, like I don't know how three AC I don't know how everybody just completely overlooked the fact that like are you not is that just typical in crypto where you you don't peek under the hood and look at the hot wallet balances or or this custody balances? It makes no sense to me. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the old way of doing crypto stuff is everything was like fast and loose and whatever. And there's a friend of mine who uh 
a while back, some video came circulating around of him buying a salad in New York City for Bitcoin in 2010, I think, 2011, maybe, like way back in the day. And he had some comment. He's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. That was the first ever light wallet for Bitcoin. Like you didn't have to run your whole node that I ever remember popping up. And it was custodial. And the guy who ran it like exit scammed everyone and took their money in the end. And I'm just like, that's the way it used to be all the time. It's just like, it's so fast and loose. So just, and then standards, due diligence stuff start ratcheting up. But it's crazy that FTX got to mainstream kind of recognition and usage in as a complete fraud. Whereas in my opinion, again, as someone who doesn't really know, none of us really do, but Binance seems like a perfectly legit and operational business that might have some funny business going on here or there to skirt some regulations or like there's some, there might be some funny stuff, but that's like a, a layer of 10 to 20% funny stuff on top of a real business. Whereas FTX was all fraud at the end, like all of it. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Of, I don't want to change the subject. Kind of, kind of yeah. in the same realm. What do you think about USDT? Oh God, um, this is the well. It's been likened to a cockroach that is like, will for some reason is still there after a nuclear holocaust. It just like it should have died a long time ago. It just won't die. It's like the sketchiest thing in the space. It's so. The thing is. I think that Tether is one of the more sketchy major projects in the space right now. There's clearly a lot of weird deceptive stuff going on. Um, there have been some things they've done, such as a, there was a vampire attack they did on USDC where their redemptions carry a fee, but USDC doesn't. So they're basically minting Tether, redeem USDC or whatever, like in a, a continuous cycle to destroy their competitor through or try to harm their competitors, these weird shady tactics. And is that, shady? Yeah, I don't I mean, know. It's, it's dirty. You could get into the, uh, the Abraham, what's his name? Uh, Eisenberg, Eisenberg, the mango markets guy. Yeah. Right. Uh, I mean, you could argue, I guess, is that really, if the system is designed to allow it to happen in crypto, is it really mm -hmm. illegal to do? I don't really know. Well, no, it's just a little shady, but, it's the whole, I believe they presented themselves as uh, completely backed one for one by dollars in the bank in the, in the early days. And then they yeah. had what they called audits, but weren't audits. And then over time they said, you know, cash and cash equivalents and up to 80 something percent backed. And then they started to include Bitcoin on their balance sheet and stuff, which is that's where it gets weird because if you can, if they're not pegged one for one with dollars, if they're not, you can print them ahead of having the, the backing collateral and buy Bitcoin with it. And then the Bitcoin that you just pump the price of in the reserves rises up to meet the valuation of the free money you just printed. And you can kind of do that over and over. And there's been a lot of sketchy kind of things going on with that. Unfortunately, we'll never know for sure. But the thing is, Tether is a very profitable business besides all that sketchy stuff. And I think they've survived because if you're making money hand over fist, if you lose a bunch of money, like you have enough extra money to cover the shortfall of one of your weird schemes kind of going wrong. So I think that's kind of where they're at. I don't know how the U.S. government is going to let them essentially counterfeit for this much longer. 
I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to FUD and get people to get all bearish and dump everything, but just at some point I can't see Tether. I think I can see Tether probably becoming, I guess like regulated and licensed by the federal reserve or something like that. But like basically, or, or being shut down completely because at some point I don't think that's going to stand. Yeah, I, th- I think they're going to try to get rid of it next as well. I think Binance was the first one, and then they'll probably working on USDT next. Kind of just makes you, you don't really know what to hold uh, mm-hmm. at this point to be safe. Like even with Luna, a lot of people had US- UST because they thought they were doing the safe thing being in a stable coin. Mm-hmm. You know, that ended up shooting them in the foot. <coughs> yeah. I mean, promise. There's a lot of weird stuff going on with that too. But again, that's been literally the topic of everyone show for the last like two years straight. So yeah. um, let's touch on the the Kraken thing because clearly it's part of a big Kraken down on the on the um, industry in the U.S. But today the SEC filed a complaint alleging that Kraken operates as an unregistered national securities exchange broker and clearinghouse. We disagree with these claims and plan to vis- vigorously defend our position. So, uh, what's your take on this thing, real quick? Before I, again, I go into my you know pre cooked up rant in my brain. No, you're good. I I think it's, uh, yeah, I think that the United States just has one goal and that's to get crypto out, except for probably like Coinbase or something like this with the centralized Mm -hmm. exchanges. They probably want to control the on-ramps. And I think they're going to control withdrawals once they get it down to enough exchanges that they, you know, kind of have control over. And I think that would be like the next step. So I think they're just trying to bully Kraken to get them to leave personally. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's, that's basically my take on this. It's, I feel bad for Jesse and them over there if they're trying to do everything right. And because they already gave up so much earlier, you know, they had the $30 million fine. They can't offer staking anymore. And then now they're coming at them again. So I don't, it's kind of what I think they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny how, like, I think this is pretty transparent in an unfortunate kind of way where it does seem like the regulators are trying to get rid of either put the brakes on crypto as a whole so they could catch up and do a CBDC or something or and or let's just say um, king make these kinds of exchanges and stuff like I think they wanted FTX yeah. to be the big one because it was their their guy and when that didn't work out well you know just <laughs> leave them high and dry but like if you think is like Jesse Powell who runs Kraken is like a libertarian so is Brian Armstrong, who runs Coinbase. So, you know, and I'm not sure if you could say CZ is a libertarian, but he's definitely a fast and loose entrepreneur, kind of like aggressive entrepreneur who like will go in whatever jurisdiction allows him to keep operating kind of thing. And so they basically want a clear house of all those kinds of entities and just have registered securities exchanges as the only ones that sell crypto. And it's been kind of funny because the SEC has gone on this weird thing where they keep on suing entities for selling unregistered securities, but they won't actually try to allege which cryptocurrencies are securities. Like I've been to the library hearings in person a few times and when they're going after the library thing, they, they, the SEC's lawyers were specifically asking the judge not to rule on whether the token was a security. They did not want that out there. And they just wanted to say library sold, the the company library sold the the tokens as an unregistered security. And if you're seeing here, 
and in all the assets alleged by Kraken, alleged that Kraken was selling and Binance and Bittrex, um, all the assets that they alleged they were selling, that they alleged were securities, they haven't actually gone over after any of them except maybe XRP. They just don't even care. They want to say, you're selling unregistered securities that we've never declared to be securities. So it's clearly they're trying to get rid of crypto exchanges that are not registered uh, securities exchanges. They just want control over that, the on-ramps. I think so too. Yeah, I think I think the next step would be to limit. They're either going to, I think, can they create a wallet that is, they're going to be like, yeah, you can do self-custody, but it's going to be a wallet that we create. You know, so they'll be like, yeah, you can on-ramp into a centralized exchange into this self-custody wallet, but you won't be able to do much with it, like use the cake wallet or something like that. Yeah, I think that but, they can. What they could do is only certain registered tokens that have a programmed in ability to freeze funds or something, kind of like all the stable coins have. Uh, yeah. And so then you can self-custody all you want, but then they can still freeze them if they really want. So. Well, you can use crypto, but it's going to be a centralized crypto. You know, the reason why I think they, uh, the SEC might not be giving legitimate hard rules for what is a security and what's not a security mm-hmm. is maybe because then crypto people will just build around that. And so they're mm-hmm. like, we don't want to get these rules because then they'll be built around and then we'll have to go to court again. So they're probably just trying to keep it like opaque. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to determine each crypto coming individually and they get to decide if if it gets to operate or not, which is the whole defeats the entire purpose. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I think a lot of it is, and this is where I, where I'm, I guess, optimistic on this whole thing is, I mean, crypto has been around for 15 years already and the U S government, but governments along around the world, but especially the U S government up until like this last year has done almost nothing. They've done so little in terms of regulating and, that's such a blessing. And I think part of it is just because they didn't know what they were dealing with. They just didn't understand. They thought it wouldn't go anywhere. And now it's just like, Oh, it's like every major, like, you know, Super Bowl commercials, now a crypto thing, everything. It's like all over the place. And they're like, now we got to do something. And so the SEC started to crack down, but they don't have their criteria figured out yet of what is security and what isn't according to these new, the new, possibilities in a decentralized crypto world and so i think they're trying to delay to do as much as they can while they delay having to actually decide what their rules might be and of course if they never have rules that they can they would like to operate this way indefinitely if they could right i guess we'll see what happens from that yeah sam i don't know if i'm hopeful or not about that kind of thing i don't know without if we didn't have privacy coins or some sort of tech, like mm-hmm. something to combat these CBDCs, I would be like super depressed, I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's, I guess, two big things. I mean, without going into super long tangent, because that's probably more the wall of Satoshi um, time to, yeah. to be bringing all this kind of stuff up. But I do think that between DeFi and, you know, digital cash coins together, I think that we're starting to get to an era where I could feel comfortable about the future. But um, yeah, let's hit on cool. what, what Jesse Powell said about this Kraken thing. He says, USA's top D-cell is back with another assault on America. 
The masochists haven't been happy with the beatings they've been taking in New York and are shopping for a different flavor of regdom in California. I thought we settled all their concerns for $30 million in February. Now they're back for seconds? So basically, uh, and he says, um, message is clear. $30 million buys you about 10 months before the SEC comes around to extort you again. Lawyers can do a lot with $30 million, but the SEC knows that a real fight will likely cost $100 million plus and valuable time. If you can't afford it, uh, get your crypto company out of the U.S. war zone. So the yeah. second part of that the second part of that sentence there at the end is really the important part. Get your company out of the crypto war zone in the U.S., the U.S. war zone. Um, how any crypto company that doesn't just do just like the bare minimum, like, oh, we just happen to be a development outfit that just makes some code for someone else. Or like, oh, we happen to, if it's not like super, super simple, for the most part, Base it in a different country. Just just do it. And it sounds sad, but also the good thing about crypto is that's so easy. Like, do we really like care which country operates which wallet? And, you know, especially if anyone can download them, anyone can do whatever, assuming they're non-custodial, right? Anyone can access them from anywhere and however they make their, their money. Is like well, you know, it's not up to the U.S. It's just only the U.S. if they have to, um, if they start cracking down access. Which actually, well, before that, the Bitrix thing, just to round out the the crackdown stories, right? Uh, Bitrix is a great regret that we inform you that Bitrix Global has decided to wind down its operations, and basically, Bitrix, Kraken, and uh, Binance were the three big ones that the SEC came after. All for allegedly selling unregistered securities, all with a different collection of unregistered securities they supposedly were selling, which did not, even though the a lot of the assets overlapped, as in some assets were supported by all chain, all the three exchanges. Like, I know Dash is on all three. Dash was alleged as one of the, the on like two of the lawsuits, but they just forgot it on another one or something. I don't know. <laughs> They're just making it up as I go along. So, yeah. In terms of what happened, um, Kraken got sued and is fighting, apparently. Um, Binance got sued hard and is not fighting. They're just, like, capitulating, throwing them an astronomical sum and just, like, trying to, you know, pay their protection money and be in on the racket. And then Bittrex just couldn't hack it because they're the, the, the tiny fish in, of the hole and is just like, yeah, we got to go. We're, we're gone. Bye. So... There's an That's account not. out there. There's an account mm -hmm. out there. I can't remember who exactly said this though, but Binance is going to have like three years of supervision oversight, mm -hmm. and this this account speculates that Binance will be out of business like Bitrex because he said that the supervision will be its like what will kill it. I don't know mm -hmm. if that's true or not, but I don't know yeah. why Bitrex is down. Um, Bitrix shut down operations in the U.S. Bef well before this. I think it just they ran out of like, um, they. I can't remember if Bitrix is still operating in the U.K. because they had Bitrix, which was like U.S. and U.K. maybe, and then Bitrix Global was for everything else. I don't really keep up too much with the the particulars of exchanges, but I guess yeah. the point is, yeah, it does run them out of business. Binance. The thing about Binance though is, 
I'm 50-50 on if the supervision is going to run them out of business because oh, I think that with supervision, they can just conduct business like Coinbase and all the others were. All the extra shady stuff they love to do, they can't do anymore. Um, yeah. But now that they've paid their way into peace, sort of, they have a leg up on Coinbase and Kraken and stuff who have to keep on trying to go through lawsuits with the SEC and all this kind of stuff, whereas... Binance already paid their you know pound and a half of flesh, and then that's just that's it. They're they're in the clear. So I I don't know exactly. It depends on was Binance just doing sketchy stuff on the side, but their main business model was sound, or was their main main business model exclusively doing sketchy stuff? And yeah. I guess depending on which which of those two it is, we'll find out if they're going to be solvent. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Well, it's time for the. The great one, the wallet of Satoshi one, which is, yes, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. So to our value wallet of Satoshi community in the United States of America, we dedicate ourselves to providing the best Bitcoin experience, blah, blah, blah. However, we've made the dis- difficult decision to remove our app from the U.S. Apple and Google app stores and will not serve U.S. customers going forward. And they just said like, for existing users in the SA, you can rest assured you have full access to your funds. You can seamlessly withdraw them and transfer them to another wallet. And then that's it. So um, what's your, your first take on this whole thing? I mean, I obviously think it sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've kind of spec- wondered this about every wallet, though. That's why underneath this post, when I, mm-hmm. when I saw this, my question was for Vic and the Cake Wallet guys. Like, is every wallet going to have to try to just remove itself? Are we going to be able to get easy-to-use self-custody wallets? And I know this one's not self-custody, right? Wallet of Satoshi. Mm-hmm. But could this happen to all the other ones as well? And is it just – it just feels like things are just slowly – and either people are doing it voluntarily, like Wallet of Satoshi, or they're going to be forced out once enough of the volunteers leave. Then the next thing is the next crackdown, and it just feels like everything's tightening. So I'm not a big mm. fan at all, obviously. Yeah, the thing is, this is, first of all, like, I'll do the big picture one before I get into, like, the gloating part of things, you know? the So the big picture thing is, Waldo Satoshi basically operated like a Bitcoin bank where you give them your Bitcoin and then they just hold on to it and help you send it. And just a fully custodial Bitcoin bank type app. And... As such, it makes a lot of sense that at some point someone cracked down on this because in the the U.S. is really annoying with these kinds of laws with the money service businesses stuff. That if you transmit money on behalf of a customer, you have to register as a money services business. And so because they do that, I can't imagine it took so long for them to get tagged. That's a good point. Um, And I know a lot of um, companies won't operate in the U.S. or they won't. They're very careful with how they operate. So, for example, I know Coin Payments was the OG crypto payment processor for like online sales, custodial but like very lightweight. And they stopped doing business in the U.S. a couple of years ago because that would make them do a money services business, and they just couldn't do that. And so, what they've done instead, what, and if they don't take a fee, then they don't have a product. And so, there are some companies that explicitly implemented like BIP70 payment protocols, which basically when you scan a QR code to make a payment to a merchant and you make the payment, it automatically splits off a certain amount that goes to the point of sale provider 
and then the other one, just, the rest goes straight to the merchant. But there's never a custodian intermediary in the middle. You just, you just instead of one direct payment to the merchant, you do a direct payment to the merchant and a very small automated direct payment to the, the wallet provider. And it was a regulatory reason to try to do that, to avoid this kind of custody problem. And now um, Phoenix, which is the very, in my opinion, the very best of the Lightning wallets, I wonder what's going to happen with them because they're a non-custodial, technically, wallet, but they, unlike any other node, any other wallet that you can just, their node just broadcasts the transaction for you, they actually take your money into their possession when you route it. They route it through their hub to somewhere else. So that's kind of the definition of a money services business to a certain extent. Right. And I really hope they don't get hit, but they might. And so why, why would they yeah. even do that though? It's just the nature of the lightning network. Uh, lightning is very different from. Oh, right. Cause they were on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm not, I'm not, I like Bitcoin. But mm -hmm. I'm not very good up on like the Lightning Network. I've used it. I've interacted with some of these, but uh, yeah, I just don't see Bitcoin as being a currency, like a day-to-day -day currency in the future. So I kind of just, I don't know. Yeah, probably need to dig a little deeper on it. Yeah, it's probably being reduced to this level though, where it's a lot of custodial kind of services. Now, the the real, I'm not really that scared about something like say the Cake Wallet getting into trouble in the US in the short term, unless there's some major legal changes that happen. But because all the uh, basic on-chain light wallet thing does, all it, it, it doesn't hold your money. It all it does is lets you connect to their nodes to broadcast your transactions and send them out. It's like a nice little wrapper around your, your, your actual private keys, your 12 words, whatever. That's your actual wallet. And they just have a shiny wrapper around that and they help you broadcast the transactions, but you can just easily put those words into some other wallet and you're just good to go. Some wallets do allow you to select the nodes you connect to, including your own. And you just change where you connect to. It's just like switching Wi-Fi, and then there you go. You can just send. It's just that easy. Whereas with something like, you know, obviously while Satoshi is completely custodial, but even something like Phoenix, you have to be plugged into their their node and their infrastructure and have um, when you have a lightning channel with anyone open with anyone you are part of a uh, of a two person multisig with that party so even though phoenix can't really steal from you they are you are joint custody with them when you have a a, a wallet open and so if you want to you can't just put your 12 words or whatever for Phoenix into a different wallet and just be good to go. You have to force close the channels, which closes the lightning, sends an on-chain with a payment with a high fee, and you have to wait like a week or two until that becomes available for you to then use again. And then you could put the 12 words in somewhere else. And if it's a lightning channel, then you have to spend money and time reopening a different lightning channel to a different node or something. So it's a very different experience from just switching a regular wallet. And so... The regular wallets just like they're so light touch on what you actually do that the odds of them being regulated in such a way, unless there's again a new law that comes out saying that self custody is illegal or whatever. It yeah. apart from that, it's the odds of them getting regulated under today's regime are just super low. And even if they do, it's just super easy to just oh sorry, we're shutting down. Why don't you 
plug it into that, you know, I guess like Ghana based wallet company. Boom. There you go. <laughs> you just like, you're up and going and it's just, it's just like, man, I had to like turn off my VPN and connect a different one. That's about it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Yeah. I'm curious about the VPN space too, because there's mm -hmm. some cool products for that that are going to help out. The, my thing with cake wallet is, you know, they're going to be implementing Sarai decks when that gets launched mm -hmm. uh, into, which I love because right now I think they do the atomic swapping in the wallet, but it's through a centralized. Mm -hmm. I'm not fully aware of that, but that's what, that's what I worry about cake uh, more so is because they have, you can swap Bitcoin from Monero and mm -hmm. then it's all in the same app. And then you can go back from Monero into Bitcoin and I have a feeling that they're not going to like that for very much longer. What do you mm -hmm. think? I don't know, honestly. Like the no KYC swapper services, I think they get away with a lot um, because they're... The thing is, that's what Shapeshift used to be. And Shapeshift had to start creating accounts and doing KYC for customers and stuff and because they were US-based. And because of that, they Shapeshift just shut down the company and became a DAO that was, it's just, they're essentially a Thorchain front end slash Uniswap, you know, one inch, all the other DeFi kind of yeah. stuff. And so all these swapper services that are centralized, almost all of them, like SideShift is probably my favorite one that has like stuff like Zcash that isn't in like Thorchain or anything. Um, I can't use those from the US. I have to flip on the VPN before I, I do it and they let you. So I don't know if it's something similar with Cake Wallet, but yeah, that stuff's probably going to be cracked down on a little bit. Um, the thing is, like, Monero is not illegal. It is, however, very, um, I guess, sketch forward. I don't know the right way of saying it, but like, the entire branding around it, the entire hype, everything is around this is criminal dark money kind of thing. And so, as such, I do think that. I'd just be personally very careful about ways in which I interact with Monero to like not be put on some list or not be part of some honeypot or something like that because of people are probably going to be doing that. But at the same time, it is perfectly legal to use and trade and whatever. And I think anyone should, you know, should just, just be careful because like if you have like CoinJoin Bitcoin or any of these other things or even Zcash, like you're probably going to be fine. It's just that once you start using Monero, you know, maybe get some unwanted attention, but still you should, shouldn't worry because you're not doing anything illegal. So I don't know. I'll, I'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I do, I do hope Sarai Dex becomes a thing soon and starts and actually starts operating. And I really hope if that is the case that Cake would add Maya protocol and Thorchain in and do DEX aggregation through there. And so you could truly be out of that whole thing. And then at that point, all you have to do is if cake wallet starts to not become like <laughs> legit in the U S if like the U S government wants to crack down, they just have to like nuke the company and create a DAO and just live off of the, um, the affiliate revenue from all these DEXs. Right that go in there and just like, oh, there's no company, whatever. And then each individual who works for them or whatever gets part of that, then deals with like their own tax situation on their own, their own paperwork as an individual, not as an entity. That's probably yeah. the like, 
I would say the word that's not the worst case scenario, but that's one of the worst case scenarios, and that's not that bad of a scenario. Yeah, I do. I, I can't. I guess a combination of this stuff because, like with the VPNs, a lot of people can't afford them. You know what I mean? They're like a mm-hmm. hundred dollars a year, or fifty dollars a year, or whatever. And some people don't even trust the VPNs. So I'm kind of curious how the crypto space is going to have those. There's one, not to shill, but there. Yeah, I won't even mention the project for it. name. Yeah, shill. Yeah, there's one called Mask that seems mm-hmm. pretty interesting. And you'll be able to serve like while you're sleeping your internet and then you earn tokens for doing that. And then when you actually want to use their services to uh, to browse privately, then you're paying with tokens you just earn. So really, mm-hmm. if you serve while you're sleeping and then just use it when you need to when you're awake, your VPN is essentially free. And I think that could get more people access uh, in jurisdictions where you know, that are kind of aggressive or whatever. So those kind of things, making a VPN accessible to everybody, privacy tech, all that kind of stuff, like, uh, gives me some hope. Yeah, it, it's really, um, the thing is, crypto's going in two very different directions. Because, like, crypto used to be Bitcoin and then it's children. And then at some point it became kind of Bitcoin and Ethereum and then the rest. And now there's, like, it's such a diverse big space that's going in so many different directions. Um, and so the things that give me, well, let me talk, talk, you know, hit on the stuff that doesn't give me help is right now, BTC Bitcoin is, I think it's going in a a bad direction and I'm just going to highlight the little tweet thread that I did, but feel free to read it. I'm not going to read the whole thing out, but basically I do think that Bitcoin is going the direction of a KYC custodial only kind of situation where and as i kind of clarified when a a buddy of mine kind of like pushed back on me on this today i'm like at the 60 to 70 percent sure that this is the way it's going thing so i'm making the blanket statement that this is the way it's going i'm not super sure it's going this way it's just looking like it that when you because bitcoin fees are getting higher and higher because bitcoin coin emission is going lower and lower you have to pay somehow and there's only so many transactions so much data that is allowed to go on the network. So therefore the per transaction fee has to go up over time. And at some point, even like if you have, if say it's like a $5 median fee right now, it's maybe it's five or 10, somewhere around there. If you have all your savings in Bitcoin and you want to move to, I don't know, load a prepaid debit card that you can load directly with Bitcoin or something, I mean, five, ten dollars to load like five hundred dollars worth for spending for a little while. That's fine. That's doable, especially if you do that and go to sleep. You wake up in the morning and it's confirmed because you know maybe it takes a while. That's okay so far. If you get paid a hundred, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Only, only again if you're in like some of the G seven countries. Yeah. If you're in some of the other countries, it's, that's already not that's, happening. That's no go. Exactly. But so, yeah. and then if you get paid. Let's just say you get paid a few grand per paycheck or something like that. And every single one you take in Bitcoin to your self custody, that's like five, 10 bucks every time you get paid in fees or whatever to, and okay, that's, that's okay right now. But what happens when it's very soon, like next year, maybe even like a hundred dollars. Now that becomes really like, you're not going to take a hundred dollar hit on every paycheck just to say you self custody. No, you're going to, with take it to a custodial service and then like maybe once a month or once every quarter 
then you move it to your self-custody savings and eat that fee. And But then still, like when you want to go spend it, you're going to have to have a big custodial presence as a, as a little guy, as a small fish. And this is only going to get worse and worse over time. And Lightning gets more and more expensive the more on-chain transactions are necessary to shuffle the money around, obviously. So something like Wallet of Satoshi that's entirely custodial is probably the best way to do that. So the Bitcoin experience is just moving into this like digital gold thing where, um, which I have to say, I, I'm not, not going to sound like too much of an ingrate here because in 2011, 2012, before I heard about Bitcoin, really, I wanted to get um, Peter Schiff had this gold backed debit card. And I was like, this is awesome. I want to get this. And I, like, I was so happy that I'd get to just spend and live off of gold in this, all the same way. But like today, because we can do so much better, that's the only reason this is a letdown is that this is amazing, uh, world-changing, world-liberating technology that's kind of getting into a captured zone. So for BTC in particular, I do think that this is, um, it's going in this direction. And people are still, like, I just, for purely petty reasons, I'm going to highlight this, what this maxi <laughs> person said, which anytime you have HODL in your actual username, it's probably not a sign of critical thinking. Uh, anyway, he comments on this thread, your false authority is so tiresome and it ignores reality to portray your alt fiat lifestyle as options to a solution when they're just more of the same garbage. And then goes on to mention uh, confidential transactions, something or other, any prevout, bit 118, all these kinds of things that will uh, allegedly change things. Okay, well, first of all, to address the second part of that, um, well, first of all, I will address why I have not answered this person directly is because they have they follow more people than they have followers and it will kill my Twitter reach if I interact with too many accounts like this. So it's it's honest to good like I'm not I'm not like I'm I'm giving this attention on the show. It's not I'm not afraid to interact, but I just don't want to kill my Twitter reach. So nothing personal, guy. Um but we've been promised like, oh, first off, Segwit. When SegWit came around in 2017, it was promised as a scaling solution. When it got implemented, it did nothing for scaling. And then we were told eh, it was never going to do that. It was just going to enable some stuff. Then Lightning, which is always 18 months away from ready, was just now it's here. Now we realize it is a lot of limitations based on on-chain capacity. And, you know, it's clunky. So that didn't work out. And they say, well, we just need Taproot and Schnorr. Okay, what next? What other thing are we going to get a rug pulled on where you do a bait and switch and say, no, 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 keep using this thing that doesn't work today, and then it'll work magically someday. But to address the first part of the thing, um, it is kind of funny how me living on decentralized crypto for a long time now is alt-fiat when this person is using real fiat. So I'll just uh, leave that there. But... <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. They're, they're probably one of those that, that might say like you have Bitcoin and then crypto with like the, you know, the capital C, lowercase r, capital Y, like one yeah. of those type. Uh, and I just think it's kind of, you do have the fintech kind of cryptos that are actual companies. Like I think of Render, Quant, those kind of projects that I don't mm -hmm. think of really as cryptos. They're more mm -hmm. like, like a company. Yeah. But 
Yeah. What do you think? Can I, what do you think about the? Because uh, we're talking about the Bitcoin fees. I think Ethereum has the same issue. I'm already basically priced out of using Ethereum Absolutely. just because of the gas fees. But what do you think? Um, because Bitcoin, after after this having, in order to break even, I thought I read somewhere that based on energy costs, unless people are running on nuclear, which you're not doing from home, right? I'm is not. Uh, some people right? Might. In which case, keep that secret. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, but the fee, it's going to, if Bitcoin isn't at the next having like 50 to $60,000 on average, then all the miners are losing money. So isn't yes. there going to be a point where, and then after the next having, it's going to have to be 120,000, then mm -hmm. 240,000. And at a certain point, there's going to be like a equilibrium where miners start falling off. Yeah. And I just don't. That's kind of a concern of mine for Bitcoin. If we didn't have the ETFs pumping it right now, I think a lot of miners might be a little bit more afraid. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, absolutely. The thing about proof of work security that a lot of it, a lot of people don't really get this very simple fact, but all it is for any security is your security budget is what secures your network largely. And that means how much money are you paying to secure the network? And so whatever the miners get from inflation, that's the security budget. And what happens is if it becomes, if they get paid less, they can't break even with their high electricity costs, then they, some naturally fall off. And then you have less total money securing the network. And so like if you're, let's just throw random numbers out that have no bearing in reality, but let's just say you're spending 5 billion a year to, to, um, to secure a network. And if that becomes unprofitable, like if you now can spend two and a half billion a year, if someone like the government wants to spend 3 billion a year, they control the network. So, and all in all, like there are hash rate does keep going up over time, even when profitability does not, because it's like RPM or whatever. It's like horsepower on a car, like the newer the car, you know, as the mining machines get newer and newer, the, the hash rate goes up, but that doesn't, but then the same price for an attacker also can get you more hash rate than like five years ago. So it's not really a good metric. And so what you'll find maxis do is point out like, oh, the hash rate keeps going up, but the money security network does not at some point it's going to have to have an it's going to have to there's something's got to give and what we've seen so far is that nothing has really been giving until recently and the what that has been is it has been ordinals and other data type use cases for bitcoin as i call it monkey jpegs um and i've been torturing them a lot on that thing but basically it's been other like large and so once you price out the little guy like the five dollars to move your bitcoin into your your treasure or whatever once you price that out it's going to be like large collectors and people doing you know the ordinals or it'll be institutions shuffling our stuff around or lightning hubs doing this stuff like do some channel management or whatever once there's that money, then the uh, the miners can actually refuse to include transactions in their block that don't pay at least a certain amount. And so eventually all the miners might just start colluding to like, look, we can't keep the lights on unless we charge at least this much per transaction. And then 
that's just the way it goes. If there's enough demand for Bitcoin, people will keep on paying those fees. It just will be different people for different use cases. So the way things are structured with Bitcoin today, either Bitcoin, the business or the network, the living, breathing, decentralized business of a network goes out of business slowly. It's either that or it stays in business by catering to customers that it wasn't intended to cater to and the customers it was intended to cater to, i.e. people wanting decentralized, uncensorable money, those people have to go somewhere else or just are screwed. So that's kind of the direction it's going. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't, I don't see how, because high fees on a network are obviously bad, I think. I mean, you have to be able to pay the validators to secure the network, but to a certain point, if you can't use the network as a user, it's kind of dead. And I think Bitcoin... Don't you feel like a lot of the maxis sort of just have a, a bit of like a, well, it'll get figured out mm-hmm. sort of mentality about it. Like they don't really address it. They're just like, yeah, I mean, someone is going to figure that out mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And I do think that that, that carried the kicking the can down the road, carried some things through where like, for example, 2017 fees spiked, but then they went back down again. A lot of exchanges started to batch transactions a lot of use cases kind of went away that were like not super important so then people could still do 50 cent bitcoin transactions and buy their coffee with it even though 50 cents you know not ideal but it's fine and but then kicking the can down the road eventually you hit the end of the road and then you end up with this kind of stuff Uh, ethereum is kind of a different but same problem in that bitcoin used to be this one thing and then in 2017, there's the big block size war over this. And then it chose like on a hard with the Bitcoin cash split, basically like right around then it chose a very strong direction. Whereas Ethereum was going to be the on-chain scaling, but also other things chain. And the, the way Ethereum turned out, it turned out a lot slower than Bitcoin is in, it wasn't like a big decision that everyone knew. It was, you know, miners at the time when they had miners started not wanting to increase the gas limit, which is basically the correlate for the block size. And they're saying like, oh, well, we need to do execution sharding. And, you know, first we need, you know, it started to be a very similar thing where EIP 1559 was supposed to help with fees. And it did not at all. And in the end, it just made it so that some Ethereum was burned is the, the burn mechanism for fees. And after it got implemented, it was like, well, that was never supposed to help with fees. And I'm like, okay, I get this gaslighting. I've seen this gaslighting before somewhere, right? I've seen that with Bitcoin. Now it's happening with Ethereum. And then they're like, well, when we move to proof of stake, everything will be better. And then they do. And they're like, well, but that wasn't supposed to do anything about fees. I'm like, come on, guys. And the idea was still sharding is on the roadmap. We're going to shard eventually. At some point, execution sharding got off the roadmap and is no longer on the Ethereum roadmap. And almost no one who uses Ethereum even knows this these days. Like it's it's like not common knowledge that they're not going to scale on chain. And now we're in the same kind of a situation as Bitcoin. This is just like the fancy automated other Bitcoin, but it's the same deal as Bitcoin now. And it's kind of strange to see, you know, the top two cryptos, yeah. the same thing happened to both of them. Right. 
And it does, it kind of bums me out too when you find projects that are, that seem cool. And then you find mm-hmm. out they're an ERC-20 and you're like, like oh. man, it's going to cost me 25 bucks to buy it. And then during the bull run, if I have to sell it, it might be, I mean, what could it go up to? I was seeing them in uh, last time around like mm-hmm. $250, $300 commonly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Yeah, it's. It's getting pretty brutal. And then you have a million different L2s all competing on stuff. And somehow that's better than trying to scale on chain. And the thing is, I get with Ethereum, it gets a lot more complicated because Ethereum is a lot more complicated. However, from what people have told me, there are a few different projects that have successfully implemented execution sharding and are able to kind of do that and scale massively on chain. And I mean, as far as I know, Solana doesn't even have sharding. They just have centralization instead, but that's a, that's a different point. But the point is you can figure these things out and the top two projects aren't doing that and are being kind of co-opted, I guess. And yeah, that's sad. But I do have a ton of hope for the future of crypto because basically everything below those top two, like all, all on down, is trying something different and there's... Um, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. Uh, obviously, the Thorchain, the greater Thorchain ecosystem is, in my opinion, the most exciting part of the space right now because you're yeah. starting to see a massive amount of like, like DeFi that I don't have to, I don't have to spend a lot of time arguing with Maxis that it's worth something. Like all the other DeFi stuff, like you, anything on Uniswap, philosophically, I kind of agree with, but it's hard to defend that stuff. <laughs> you know, it just... What do you just, it's like very casino, like in terms of like a token for another token for another token, whereas yeah. real L1 unwrapped assets for each other, real things like loans and stuff like that for any asset out there kind of thing. It's really doing, it's really very encouraging. I like that Chad Bearford is working on, was it the Archeo project on the side to try to decentralize front ends and things like that. That's all really awesome. Um, the privacy space is very under the radar which is kind of a fun, funny thing right but it's very privacy tech is getting really good where i remember seeing what well, was probably the first time anyone bought something from a shop with zcash shielded zcash back in the day a friend of mine who actually just saw it today again he used the command line wallet <laughs> full node command line wallet on his desk on his laptop to buy something from a shop and he's generating the shielded proof for like 10 minutes before it went through and then now you can do that on a mobile phone in like five seconds you can generate a much better much you know zero knowledge proof shielded transaction like five or so seconds um and so things are really progressing in a lot of cool ways it's just not the not the stars of the show, which is one thing I'm really glad about Thorchain and stuff is that they're getting attention now. It's always been awesome stuff, but now you're starting to get like the the recognition and the money and all that stuff in. Yeah, streaming swaps. Mm-hmm. I don't think they, you know, because every time I talked about Thorchain, mm-hmm. everyone always just brought up, you know, the summer of 2021, I think it was, the Ethereum uh, exploits where everyone was made whole and they they got came back better from that mm-hmm. but i feel like it it to me it feels like everyone is rooting against thorchain everyone i talked to i even remember there was one guy i was talking in a different group and i said well have you heard of of thorchain and and he was like oh yeah but that got hacked 
And I was like, yeah, but that, that was a long time ago. Have you seen anything new? And he's like, no, no, I don't want to look at it. Obviously, they don't care about security. And I was like, well, what do you think of Trust Wallet? And they were like, well, yeah, that's that's like my primary wallet. And I was like, oh, they even integrated ThorChain on the back end for swaps. And he was like, oh, God, I got to get a new wallet. And I'm like. You know what's funny about that, by the way, for Trust Wallet is CZ, who owns Trust Wallet, didn't know it was using ThorChain in the back end. How do you know that? He, he tweeted about it. It's on Twitter somewhere. If you look at it, they're like, really? you know, oh, great. I haven't looked into ThorChain. I got to check that out. And they're like, bro, your, your product is using it. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but um, I guess. Yeah, it's under the it's radar. News it's a different team. It's, it's news to me that I guess it's rumored that CZ is like behind ThorChain. Have you heard that rumor? No, but I am starting a rumor with no no basis whatsoever that he is going to like I as soon as he as soon as he stepped down I did like uh Naomi Brockwell did some tweet about you know how he's done so much for the space and I quote tweeted that I said like up next a new Thorchain front end called Trinance you know cuz <laughs> Oh yeah I think I saw that actually he's looking into yeah, DeFi I mean, Why not he could probably build an awesome decentralized version of Binance not that they're not mm -hmm. already kind of out there in some forms everywhere, but yeah. I yeah. Know, it's exciting. I also, the ThorChain community, I think that's the most exciting space uh, right now as well. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I really hope the decentralization of the space holds up. And honestly, like, the way the the bold changes that the Maya protocol made over Thorchain, I always thought were great, but I was worried about in the beginning. I was just like, because they launched and they were making like six dollars in fees for the entire network in the day, and I'm just yeah. like, oh man, it's like, you know, if something that has an inflation curve has that, that's one thing, but then something with no inflation that literally everyone is staking for like six dollars a day for everything, I got worried. But then it worked out, and it's it's working out, and it's great. Yeah. Um, I hope that the thing is, Thorchain, as we've mentioned, has been through the fire, and I've been using it since the Chaos Net days. Um, and with the whole it got hacked thing, I mean, that was kind of the point of Chaos Net is we're going to test this with real assets, with a very with the caps, with a very like capped totals and pools and stuff like that. It's test net, but it's with live assets test net, right? So the, in my understanding, I never understood this to be like a completed product. I always understood that the idea was this can very well be hacked. And when it was hacked, they fixed it. Since mainnet, which I think was 2022, I don't think it's ever been hacked. Now, Bitcoin, since it's mainnet has been, had a few different exploits and in the early days there was some inflation bug that like almost destroyed the coin they had to like roll it back and get rid of all the inflated coins. i didn't know that actually yeah there was an inflation bug and then recently like in the last two three years there was some sort of a fatal exploit for bitcoin that was discovered i think by some bitcoin cash devs and it was patched before anything ever got figured out but like Bitcoin's one of the most well worked over code bases. Think about all the Bitcoin clones there are out there that have so many thousands of devs all working over kind of the same code base. And 
the fact that there's still those things, I mean, this is experimental money, all of it. Like this could all go to zero and I don't think it will, but you never know. And it's just kind of funny how like you have Maxis, especially who are promoting the Lightning Network, which is all kinds of leaky. And there was some recent exploit discovered that doesn't have a solution really. It's like unsolvable. Uh, that like that's somehow holy, but then something like Thorchain, oh, it got hacked one time. Okay, well, Ethereum got hacked. I mean, the DAO hack happened. All these other things have happened. Like, I get that it's different from like, like I'm having to also sort of revise my perspective on the early days of Solana because when Solana went down for like days at a time, sometimes like seven separate times or something, that's pretty bad. On the other hand, if it doesn't ever happen again, it starts to not feel like as big of a deal. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's been. I think a, a lot of people are so really love Bitcoin for the the sole reason that there's no like overlord of it kind of mm -hmm. thing. Like they don't know who Satoshi is, or I, I think that someone could even if someone created another Bitcoin, just the fact that you and and you know that they created it, that alone would just be enough to kind of like in their mind make it not worthy, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Yeah, the maxis. I don't. I don't quite get the maxis. Yeah, I mean, I sort of get it because it's the great um, low information take. Like, if you don't know, it's an incredibly complex space, right? And if you don't really know what's going on, it can be pretty pretty easy to just just be like, oh virgin birth, you know, this whole thing, like it was created immaculate conception of Bitcoin. It could only ever be this. It's the only decentralized one, all this kind of stuff, just because you don't know enough to dig deep and be like, understand it be like, Oh, this is how it works. Oh, this is the trade offs. This is the, this here's like the rich list or whatever on Bitcoin versus other coins. And this is why we think this is better. Like that's a lot of work and understanding to go into. And so not everyone wants to do that. So, no. That kind of makes sense for me, but you know, ultimately, if you, pick, yeah. if you had to pick one L1, one layer one that's not Ethereum or Bitcoin, and you can only buy this one thing, but you have to hold it for five years, and that's your only exposure to crypto, what are you thinking? No shilling so, allowed, not financial advice, just a question. Yes. Well, I guess I need some nuance. There's so I need some extra context. So are we just talking about, I conduct my daily life. This is one token I think is going to be worth a lot more in five years. Or is it something that I can only have as far as, because I use crypto. I don't do like that. That's true. Stuff. I forget. So like, yeah. is it the one that I can only use for the next five years? Like, yeah, I suppose what L1 do you think will have the biggest, e the, what's, what layer one do you think has the biggest potential to actually onboard regular people. Maybe that's the question. Not so much like the value or whatever, but how much that will onboard the most regular people into crypto? Hmm. That was a really hard one because um, if I'm gonna like hedge my bets and say, if I'm gonna say the sort of cheating answer sort of would probably be Thorchain because 
I think that first off, as far as like the rune token or whatever over the next five years for a value standpoint, it's probably going to do the best. Or it's, it's probably one of the ones I can bet on doing well. But also as far as in the future, I don't think people are going to be using one token. And if I bet on Thorchain, I kind of bet on a lot of them at the same time. Yes. Where it's just like, you know, so like people are going to be using Thorchain enabled wallets. And so, so that's, that's like the cheating answer, sort of. Um, as far as like ease of use and money and stuff like that, not much works easier and better for newbies than Dash right now. Now, the problem is like with all the different competitors and contenders and stuff coming up, it's it could be maybe a risky ploy to be like, okay, five years from now, it could be like the, the easiest to use chain that like could work really well and onboard newbies, but no one's ever made that happen successfully. Therefore, you know, that didn't work out. I don't know. That's the real thing is like the more I know, the less I know in this whole thing. But one good thing about the, like the Thorchain ecosystem is at least that seems to be coming to be a clear picture. Like this is going to be some glue that holds the space together. And so if you bet on the glue, then the you're still going to be okay. So yeah, um, it's kind of funny because from like the easy use perspective, I have to give the head up heads up to the head whatever you call that, to Dash. Um, yeah. I really want to bet on Zcash's privacy tech if I could just bet it on the privacy tech and not on the whole of Zcash because I don't know if Zcash is, I think it, who knows if it's going to lose out the momentum and just, it's not, I don't, I don't know if I could bet in five years people are going to be using the chain known as Zcash today. But the tech pioneered by Zcash I'd say that's like an 80, 90% bet that in five years, that's going to be a huge part of the crypto ecosystem. But so if I could only bet on that, <laughs> but it just gets harder to answer these like yes or no type of questions, you know? I know. I know. Yeah. With uh, That's interesting. I haven't really looked too much into like Zcash or Dash really. Mm -hmm. I mean, Monero seems to be the major one. Why, yeah. why is everyone... Why does Monero have the biggest market cap? I know this is kind of getting into not just news, so I don't know what you yes. want to do. Yeah, we can. We need to hit on this thing too because I something I've been you know looking at for a while. I think there's two big reasons for that. Um, the biggest reason is the most relentless and successful marketing. That's for sure, uh, and that's that's kind of the cop out answer. But the the more nuanced answer is I think Monero's done a great job of making its tech apply basically they have the best ease of use for privacy out there which is all transactions have their privacy basically yeah and because of that you don't have to like fumble with like oh do i use this you have to pre-mix for example with like coin on something like for example dash once it's mixed it's super easy just send it it just works but if sometimes you have to let it mix and just wait overnight and come back in the morning and then it's all ready whereas monero what you have to monero has a, a really good structure of hiding that from the end user because um after you receive monero you can't i think you have to wait something like 10 blocks to then send it again because of some other stuff so it's a, a corollary to that but it it's all hidden from the user. They don't see money coming in and out and jumbles and stuff. And 
So those yeah. two reasons. But Monero is moving to uh, what they call like a, a zero knowledge membership proof type thing, which is probably going to use the use Halo, which is what Zcash pioneered. So they're probably moving to Zcash tech in the next couple of years. And so oh. it's not it's clearly not the top of the pile of privacy tech, but as part as so I would say Monero is definitely not the top of the stack. It's the middle of the pack for privacy tech, but it's the top of the pack as far as privacy product. As far as if your wallet integrates Monero, it just works and you have good privacy. And that's that's just it. And so it's, it's like yeah. simple. Yes. Okay. And so the thing is like Dash is a lot easier to use and a lot simpler than Monero, but not for the privacy aspect of that yet. And so uh, that's where the nuance starts to, to hit, where it's just like, if you want someone to just randomly use crypto, easily Dash. If you want someone to, who just only cares about privacy, but they're also kind of an idiot, Monero. And if you want someone to use the <laughs> maximum level of privacy, Zcash. And I mean, you got to kind of assume everyone's an idiot, right? If you want mass yeah. adoption. Yeah. Is it thing? So it's, I don't know. It's kind of why, yeah, Monero, it seems, from the way I understand it, you just send it, like, for example, if you were in Cake Wallet and you had some Bitcoin, you send it to your, you turn it, exchange it to Monero mm -hmm. and then send it to another address and then buy Bitcoin with it. And now you've got anonymized Bitcoin all within just the one wallet, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you'd probably have to send it to a, a different wallet because otherwise some of the keys could be correlated, but it's the same thing, right? You swap. swap yeah. There you go. And uh, Samurai yeah. Wallet is using has a Monero atomic swap feature in it because uh, when you coin join um, it, because of the way UTXO chains work, uh, you get change from just like it's like with a cash and act, like digital cash is just like real cash where you send them a 20 for like a $15 thing, you get $5 in change back or whatever. The problem is if you reuse that change, that's what they call doxic change. And now even if you got good privacy, that can ruin your privacy. So they, you basically have this change you can't touch. Otherwise it'll screw up everything. So basically Samurai Wallet has a way for you to atomic swap that into Monero and then back out to fresh Bitcoin somewhere to kind of clean, clean the change. Now Dash has a way that doesn't have toxic change at all because it's built into the, the protocol to just spend it all as far as fees and stuff. And, but anyway, that, that we're getting into the weeds with that stuff, but the, yeah, I guess yeah. The, that's the whole point. And I don't know, like, I think Monero's doing a lot of things right. I think, Mon I hate to say it in this way, um, but Monero, I don't know if I hate to say it, but whatever, it, it is what it is. Monero resembles a lot of what people thought that they were getting when they got into Bitcoin in like 2012 or 13. And so it doesn't mean it's like the real Bitcoin. I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole because I hate, <laughs> I hate everyone who does, but, uh, you could say, you would kind of say that. Um, although Satoshi talked about adding zero knowledge proofs to Bitcoin, which would resemble Zcash. Um, the digital cash experience of like fast, easy to use, blah, 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 is a lot better with Dash. So, uh, you know, they could say Bitcoin Cash is the most original Bitcoin feeling Bitcoin, but then BSV is supposedly the like. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I think, know. We, it's, think just, it's time to graduate on to just using what works for what matters in life, which is being able to transact without centralized intermediaries. So there you go. Yeah. Agreed. Good place to wrap it up, huh? Yeah, I think so.
Cool. Well, now it's uh, shill o'clock. I just checked the, the, the watch. It's shill o'clock. So oh, um, yeah. I'm putting up your Twitter on the screen and YouTube channel, but anything else you want to you want to shill right now, just go ahead. No, not really. That's it. Just uh, if you want to yeah, follow me on Twitter, come check out the YouTube if you want to. I do news uh, daily at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and then I do coin reviews on there as well. So come and check it out if you want to. Nice. Yep. Get the strong thumbnail game there. Yeah, give this guy some love. All right, guys. Um, thanks for tuning in. Um, happy, happy Friday. Happy whatever else. Don't forget your phone is spying on you. Taxation is theft. Um, custodial Bitcoin is not real Bitcoin. Start living on crypto before it's too late. And I'll see you guys around. All right. Bye-bye, guys.